Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, we are officially here at the end of 2023. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just me getting older, but I, the years keep flying by faster and faster. And like, I just really can't even process that this has been a year. And like for Christmases and all these like holidays, I feel like I just like, didn't we just put our tree away and we're putting it up? And now how is it that we're flipping another year already? It seems to just fly by. And I remember a very specific time. Let's go back for all of us who are um, a little more older in our, in our age. Let's go back to Y2K. Y2K. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, our younger crowd here, you know about it, right? We are, we're afraid of switching from 1999 to 2000 for one major reason, and that's because all the computers were programmed at that time with the, the programming of 1999, and it didn't have the 2000 ability because it only went through 99. And so the fear started gripping the world that the entire world was going to literally just blow up. Like our computers were now starting to like run at it. Could you imagine if we knew what we knew back then? Like computers are running everything. I'm like, you think they are now? Like now we've got computers in our pockets. We didn't have those back then, kids. But this is what's going on. The world believes that the world is going to blow up because of this computer glitch. And so then now there was this mad scramble to reprogram all computers to be able to add the extra year to it. The fear was that our entire infrastructure would then just shut down. We were afraid that our banking would be gone. So people were pulling all their money out of their banks and we were afraid that we wouldn't be able to get food. There was just fear gripping absolutely everything. In fact, um, I remember my wife and I had a tape, uh, tape, cassette tape from James Dobson Focus on the Family called Preparing for Y2K. And, and, I don't want to say that my wife became a prepper, but my wife became a prepper. She's like, we've got to get water. We've got to get dried goods. Like we need to be able to survive. And here's the truth about that. There was wisdom because we didn't know what was going to happen to actually take a few moments to make sure that we're prepared in case there was a mad dash. Because what happened, what we saw during COVID was a lot is what happened back during Y2K. If you guys remember, there was a rush on bottled water, a rush on foods, stable uh, shelf, stable foods to be able to have the just-in-case moment. And so we were going through, we did have toilet paper, though. That's a whole other side note. Uh, we There was just this fear. Fear was just gripping the world and everyone around us. And I remember on New Year's Eve, Y2K, uh, waiting and watching for everything to go down. Now, this is what's fascinating. This is how you know you're an American. We believe time starts and stops with us. Like the whole, like the flipping, it already happened in the world, right? It happened all the way already before us. And so Australia flipped. And so we're watching like all these and nobody's blowing up. But we thought something was going to happen to America. Now, I was in my 20s at that time. And so, you know, here I am like my, we didn't know what to believe. And we didn't know what the media was actually telling us. There were so many different viewpoints and so many different thought processes about what Y2K was going to do to us. So that even though the world's clocks were flipping and no one was blowing up, we just thought for sure like nuclear strikes were going to come out and like get America. And I remember that flipping of the dial of when we go from 12 o'clock and nothing happened. 
There was just like a little bit of a few things that happened, like a couple of glitches or whatever, but nothing happened. The power didn't go out. My bank account was still there. Nothing really happened. But I also remember this. If you remember this in the news, those who were there, there were people who cashed out absolutely everything they had and they invested it in like gold bricks or they bought and prepped. So if you've ever seen the preppers show on TV where they have like these huge underground bunkers, there are people during Y2K that literally took all of their belongings and invested it in being prepared for this new end of the world scenario. And so that wasn't wise because nothing happened. The world kept going on. We're like, oh, look, there's Dick Clark. We're still going to have the ball drop, right? Like, we, it was the same thing. You can Google Dick Clark, Dick Clark, younger people. But <clears throat> now it's Ryan Seacrest, and we all understand that. But the ball dropped. Life went on. Nothing really changed. And so for those of us who did a few small things, hey, it's wise for us to be prepared for a couple of weeks if something happened, which I think we learned through COVID. It's always wise to have a supply of things and not always have to be running to the Piggly Wiggly. You know, we don't know if there's going to be a supply chain issue. We learned through that. We also learned through Y2K. It's not a bad thing to have a little extra. At the same time, there are those who did unwise things and put all their eggs into the basket that this is the end of the world. So then once the clock turned, they had nothing left. And so at that, at that turn, we learned something very huge. There are things that are wise and there's things that are not wise concerning how we are living our lives. Now, those of us who are a little bit older, we've learned this over experience and time, but wisdom is something that we really, really never talk about. We don't talk about wisdom. In fact, in our culture now, what we talk about is knowledge. Knowledge is something we talk about. How much do I know? How much do I read? How much do I go on the internet and scan? And unfortunately now, all these years later, knowledge is becoming so cloudy because knowledge is now based with opinion because everyone has access to the internet and everybody has a voice. So we, uh, back in the day, used to get the Encyclopedia Britannica's and we would look up information in a book that we believed this was going to be true. This is looked through. This is wisdom. This is history. This is knowledge. And we'd search and find out answers to things. Now we type, and John, who lives in his mom's basement in Alabama, is now telling us information on how to make a souffle, right? So information and knowledge now is just getting all messed up in our years. And now wisdom is a whole nother story. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to judge what is true, right, and lasting. It's the ability to judge what is true, right, and lasting. So I may have knowledge but it does not mean I have wisdom. Wisdom is a completely different set of abilities and skills in which when I have knowledge, I place wisdom over the top of that. And because now, just because I can do something, it doesn't mean I should do something. Can and should. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. Just because it is allowed, it doesn't mean that it is wise. So if you've ever been around somebody who is wise, they have this ability to cut through the situation and give that word that's just like perfect, right? If you've ever run a wise person, that person has experience, that person has knowledge. This person's now putting those two together to speak into what is wise in this situation. And what's hard about wisdom is that wisdom depends 
It's the ability to practice and to be able to put on and find out what is right, true, and lasting versus be, uh, just spouting out some facts. Let's talk about wisdom. We enter 2024, and we are absolutely blessed to enter into another political season. Yay. Let's say this, my friends. Can we be a little wiser this time? Because there was a lot of things that we could do and could say last time, and everybody was doing it, but were we wise? Do you believe, as you watched media and social media, as we went into a tension-filled year, which we're going to enter into another tension-filled year in 2024, that Christians were using wisdom when speaking on the internet or with friends about politics? Now, in my experience of, of my group and my circle, I did not see a lot of wisdom. I saw a lot of opinions. Because just because I can say something doesn't mean I should say something. And just because I can say something doesn't mean I should use social media to say something. And so as we enter into a new year, this new year is going to be pushing us a little bit to the new limit because tension is going to rise again in our country. It's already... I already saw a political ad. I'm like, bro, please. It's already starting. And so now as we start to look in this next year, how do we embrace wisdom in a whole new way, in a whole new light, not only on the external world, but also on the internal, and how we interact with our God? So today we're going to be looking into some beautiful passages of wisdom. And we're looking mostly through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is, if you don't know, it's a book of a collection of sayings. Uh, they are brought together for the purpose of gaining wisdom. So if you've ever read Proverbs, it doesn't read like a story or a narrative. That's because it's not that. It's a collection of wise sayings or wise adages. And the reason we have these that are brought together is it's intentionally there to show us what is wise in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's wisdom looks different than the kingdom of man. God's wisdom does not match up with our world's wisdom. And those two very opposing views of what I should do to judge what is true, right, and lasting looks different in God's economy than our economy. And so as believers, we look to the word to find wisdom. There is no other place for us to find wisdom except from the word God. And if you've been here for some season, you've heard me talk about it over and over and over again, that we need to be students of the word. You need to be in the word. And the reason why we need to be students of this beautiful book and this beautiful collection that we have called the Bible is that this is going to show you what is wise, what is not, God's economy, God's kingdom versus ours, and it's going to be in opposition to the two. So there's going to be a tension between culture and the word of God, always, always. And so when we lean into the word, the word gives us wisdom. When we lean away from the word, we're going to be giving wisdom of the world, which is not God's economy. So this is the book of Proverbs, a beautiful book. And this is why the book was written. It's right here on the screen, Proverbs 1, 2 to 3. The purpose of this is for gaining wisdom instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Let me read that again. It's for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, what is right and just and fair. I think we all would agree that we wish that our culture embraced this few words. That we all together as humanity would be looking to gain wisdom for instruction, 
We're looking for words of insight. We're looking for prudent behavior. We want to know what's just. We want to know what's fair. I think the tension that we believe have as believers is that we exist inside of a cultural system in which wisdom is valued so different than ours, and so we have two options. Either we're in opposition to that wisdom, or we join into it. And the opposition part, this is where wisdom comes in, do we now fight and say, you're the enemy, or do we now use wisdom to now try to include, to uh, bring to people the gospel so that they can, in the same way, have the Holy Spirit transform them and give them wisdom in God's way. Because in 2024, we have an opportunity like no other in this next year coming. Again, tension-filled world that we're going to be in. We don't see wars ending anytime soon. So we have an opportunity to use wisdom to impact the kingdom of God by influencing our culture. And our culture simply means this, the people in your circle of influence around you. You have that opportunity, not just in this new year, but every year. But this gives us at this change of the time something that is a fresh new ability for us to step forward. So think about this. As we walk into this wisdom, you can have knowledge, and knowledge can exist without wisdom, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. Let me say that again, because it's a little studious and kind of nerdy, but it's a really good sentence because I made it up. It says this, knowledge can exist without wisdom. You can understand something, but not know how to apply it. But wisdom cannot exist without knowledge because you have to understand something before you practice something. And so for us, as we engage this new year, you look at the word of God and say, Jason, um, I, I don't. I don't look at it that often. I'm not engaged in it. Then I'm going to say, well, how do you know who God is and what he has said? And how do you know the ability to apply what he said if you don't know what he said? Because then what comes into, into our light, if we don't have knowledge, you then fill your opinion. My opinion is, I think that, I feel that. And the problem is that we're all going to have different thoughts and different feelings. Therefore, we're not looking at knowledge as truth. We're looking at knowledge as my experiences. And my experience, now I'll play out my wisdom through my experience, which means all of us are going to be in a different plane and we're all doing different things, which is what the culture is doing right now. That's why it's such a hot mess. That's why we're so frustrated. You're, you're getting so frustrated right now because we're like, ah, oh, our world's falling apart. The world has always been falling apart. There's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. This is not different than any other time. It's just hitting us different now. Because for us as Americans, we had felt and, and felt like as a country, we were the home team. That we were, most people went to church on Sunday. Most people read the Bible. Most people knew the Ten Commandments. But the truth is, is we're in a post-Christian society, which means they don't hold the same values anymore. We, as a, a country, do not hold the same values anymore. So we now, as believers, have to start to say, wait, we're not the home team. We're the away team. So when I stand up for something, the word of God, I'm booed. I'm not cheered anymore. Like, I used to be the one, when I was younger, walking, like, yeah, everybody goes to church. Now it's like, you don't go to church. No, man, I don't go to that. Because now wisdom and knowledge have been transferred and crumbled so deeply in the culture. American Christians are saying, well, what do I do? Do I act and believe like they do? Or do I stand on the word of God? And here's the truth. Mosaic Church, hear my heart. We are blending the two too much, which is making it more confusing, which is confusing Generation Z. 
which is our younger generation. It's too confusing for them to understand why are you blending these two thought processes? Because in one say God says this, but then the world says this, and you put these two together and you make up what you feel is good, and now it's confusing. I was blessed as I grew up with an amazing pastor, and as he taught, he spoke often of wisdom. And always, 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 he went to wisdom, the word, and prayer. Wisdom, word, and prayer. This pastor, as I grew up in ministry, wisdom, word, prayer. It was just ingrained in me over and over and over again. But do I do it? That's the question mark. I can know something, but does it mean that I actually do it? I can have all the information in the world, but if I don't do it, it's absolutely meaningless. Years ago, uh, I, I just celebrated uh, this year, actually, 24 years of being a certified athletic trainer. Uh, my undergrad was sports medicine before I got into ministry. Um, and I still hold my credentials. I have to go through uh, continuing education credits every couple of years. Uh, it's a huge pain. I just finished. Yay. Um, so I, uh, I, I'm still certified. I still keep this uh, practice. Uh, so uh, just helpful as a coach on all sorts of things. And I remember when I was an intern, when I was an intern, uh, I wasn't allowed to actually touch athletes at that time. I was just there to watch, learn, observe. And I was working at Whitnall High School. At Whitnall High School, we went to a football match, or football game, uh, excuse me. And we went to the game, and I was covering, uh, just helping our team. My the, uh, certified was all somewhere else. And one of the students went down. And I went out to assist. He's from the other school. So I went out to the other, out there to help her out. And she's assessing this, uh, the student. The student is just in terrible pain, just screaming pain. And, and the student's leg was turned to the outside, like his leg was kind of turned out a little bit, and, and the kneecap was dislocated. I'm like, oh, that's painful, right? And so she's going through the testing, and she went through everything meticulously. I mean, absolutely knew everything by the book. And, but he wasn't responding right. And I said to that person, I said, hey, he's not responding right. Um, I don't think it is what you think it is. And, and this trainer said, well, no, 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 I know what it is. I know what it is. And he has a dislocated kneecap. I said, no, no, that's what you see. I don't think that's what's going on. It's too much different signs and symptoms of what's happening. No, 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 this is it, this is it. And so she then attempts to uh, relocate this kneecap. Um, so those who are squeamish right now, hold your ears. Um, and so this student wails in pain, wails. I mean, I mean, like, just like we, you know, slammed his hand in the car door. And I, and I'm like, you need to stop, 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 stop touching him. Let's immobilize him, get into into the hospital, um, he had actually fractured his femur, that big bone in the leg, and it was rotated outside. So when she tried to do what she thought was the right thing, um, that was the most, I can't imagine the pain that that student was in. She had knowledge, but not wisdom. She didn't know how to apply it in that situation. It isn't just one thing you look at. You have to have both the knowledge and understanding of what the body does, but also the experience and put those two together is what do I now engage in this moment? And wisdom is that thing that we have to search after as we gain knowledge. We love knowledge in the West. It's part of our DNA of saying if you were, if you have knowledge, you are an expert. But the problem is that knowledge without wisdom leads to absolute failure. And that's where we're going to look at for today's word. In James 3, 17, it says this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Take a look at this, because this is kingdom of God wisdom stuff here. 
Kingdom of God wisdom says this, pure. It's not mixed with other thoughts or views. It is pure. The wisdom of God is pure. It does not have multiple different facets from different other influences. His wisdom is pure. It is true and it is what is good. It's peace loving. It seeks to bring peace whenever possible. It's considerate. It thinks of others. It's submissive. It's obedient to authority. It's merciful. It's forgiving when there could be a certain punishment. It's impartial. It does not take preference over others. It is sincere. It has pure motives, not trying to deceive anyone. I want us just to take that for that list right there. And this is something I'm going to challenge you with today. Uh, those who have your phones, notes, apps, uh, we're going to be going through a list of wisdom verses today. And I'm going to challenge you to take your phone out and pick one for 2024 to live in. If it's this one, awesome, James 3.17, that you would take a verse for the year concerning wisdom and that you'd actually practice it. Now, knowledge is you've heard me say it. Wisdom is actually doing it. So everybody take out your phone. I mean, it says you don't have to do it, but you get what I'm saying, right? You have the ability and chance right now to take a new year and a new approach to exploring wisdom. And listen to wisdom. As I said, we know this is going to be a tension-filled year. Look at this. It is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, merciful, impartial, and sincere. What if every time you spoke, you took it through this lens? Is what I'm about to say pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, merciful, impartial, and sincere? Or is it just my opinion? Or is it me just trying to get my way? What if I'm about to say something and I look at it through this lens and say, man, if I can do this well and I've got God's wisdom through me, through his word and who he is, when I speak, my goal and my opportunity right now is to speak life into somebody, not death. It's to speak mercy and and consideration. And that's how we're going to process these next verses. So I'm going to lay out a whole bunch for you. We're going to talk real briefly about each one. And there's going to be one, hopefully, that kind of sticks into your heart that you would commit to in 2024, to take this word of wisdom into your heart, uh, not just to memorize something, but to work to apply something. Take a look at this. Proverbs 13.3 says this. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Say it again. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives but those who speak rashly will come to ruins. Do you ever think about the words that you're actually saying that come out of your mouth? I mean, I'm a verbal, okay? I'm a verbal guy. I like to use a lot of words. Because I use so many words, some words that come out of my mouth are absolutely ridiculous. Sometimes I use words that are not thoughtful. My words are not being processed correctly because I'm a verbal, so I say a lot of words. But when I guard my lips, meaning what's coming out is taken through a mesh or a strain. I'm purposely doing something. I'm using words and I'm not speaking recklessly. Your words, as they come out, are they reckless? Are they thoughtful? When you're in that tension, when you're in a fight with a spouse, a best friend, a coworker, a neighbor, are your words being thought through and are they reckless or are they wise? This is what's so hard about this. Uh, our emotions, when we get emotional, cause a fight or flight response. You may not know this, but when we start, when you get into some sort of confrontation and you can feel your body get all warm and your face get all hot, you have the same response as a fight or flight as if someone's trying to actually kill you. And so your, your idea is I'm either going to punch or I'm going to run, fight or flight. 
And so punch or run starts happening when we get in confrontation. Wisdom says, do not go to that state, but process the words that you are saying. Process the words you are saying. This is a great one for those who are verbal and those who use their fingers to type things on the internet. Because it's not just their lips now in our year, right? 2024, it's also now our fingertips. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. It's not a shock in pretty much everything in our media and our music is, I'm number one, I'm number one, I'm the best, I'm the greatest of all time, right? All of that viewpoint of the grace. I'm not saying that actually flows out of our lips, but I want you to process this. When pride comes in, when you have pride, disgrace comes. But when you humble yourself and see others greater as yourself, you are wise. Prideful people are not wise people because prideful people are not taking through that beautiful lens we saw in James 3.17. Prideful people are going to speak about themselves being the greatest. I'm better than you. And that's the word, if you guys know this word, are narcissists. I am greater than you are. I am more important than you are. And what that does is it breaks down relationships, breaks down people, and you are crushing people as opposed to using the beautiful words that we have to give life and to speak life. So when we are humble, we actually are showing the kingdom of God to people. And when we consider others greater than ourselves, we serve people. When I consider myself greater than you, I look down to you. And so this is such a powerful one for those who may struggle with pride. Proverbs 18.2 Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Oh, can I please say this 75,000 times, all of you online typers. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Need I say more? Do I have to say anything more about this? Like, what the fool wants to just say, this is what I think. Type to 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 type type. We are the first ones to say when we get into a family gathering, you know, hey, I'm really excited. I got a new job. And instead of saying, man, that's so awesome. The fool will say, well, you should have gotten a better job like me. And they start airing their own opinions. Your opinions need to come through a filter of if they're wise. Your opinions your opinions are your opinions. Are you giving life with opinion and guiding and help shape and mold for the purpose of leading them closer to Christ? Or do you use your words of opinions to feel like you're heard and someone values you? I'm going to give you my opinion so you think I'm important, that you love me or think I'm smart or whatever. Or am I sharing something with you to help you understand better? Please stop airing your opinions that are not wise. One of the things that I, I would say probably one of the most top topics that I'm in as a pastor, because when people find out in the outside non-church world I'm a pastor, it's really fascinating. When I first started ministry, this is 20 years ago, when I first started ministry, it was, oh, that's interesting. And they'll ask questions. Literally, it's like, oh. And they kind of frown. In 20 years, this is what I believe in this what I've seen. In 20 years, the opinions, not the facts of God, the opinions of Christians 
has done such a damage to the gospel because we were not speaking with wisdom. Wisdom says, I speak the truth of God in love and truth, but I speak it in love and truth. My opinion is just casting forward my thoughts and processes onto somebody without considering. My opinion and my thought is going to cause damage if not wise. Wisdom says, hey, do you mind if I share with you something that I've experienced? And you invite yourself into a conversation. First of all, you're just stupid. Send, right? Like it's no good. Now, I'm going to say this is a truth about me, and I assume you too. I have written extremely long emails to someone. No, I'm just kidding. We're installing on emails, and I have typed very long texts. And I sat there, and I read it, and I said, this is not wise. Maybe you've been there. Like, I let people have it. Like, okay, you want to go there? Let's go there. I just typed away. And in fact, I was really good of stating facts. That's my confrontation uh, go-to is I will out-fact you. Um, that's my dark side of Jason. I'm like, you want to go facts? Let's go facts. Like a, just a knucklehead that I am, right? And so I did that. Type, 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 type. And I will, before I send it, I always read it. I'm like, this is so stupid. When I put it down on paper, I'm like, this is not wise. What is this going to lead to? This isn't going to building relationship. And in fact, most of it's just my opinion. And I've deleted those emails. I've deleted those texts because it's not wise. Wisdom takes a pause to us to just ask the question, man, should I or should I not share this right now? Proverbs 14, 29, moving on. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Patience. Patience, patience, patience. We are so impatient. I want what I want now. Well, I think the instantaneous world of life right now is we microwave everything. And if we don't get what we want now, like two-year-olds and toddlers, we get frustrated. Like, I want it now. And we start stamping our feet. I want what I want now. But the truth is that patience gains understanding. When I'm patient, I actually learn more. Have you ever been patient with someone who kind of just grinds your gears a little bit? You just don't really get along with that person. But you're patient and you listen. And when you start to listen, you actually find out something beautiful that there's something about this person as you're learning and patient with them that's growing you. And the problem isn't the person. The problem is you. I'm the problem. And so when I'm patient, I'm like, wow, the problem's I'm impatient. What am I impatient about? And I start to explore my own self and my own issues and my own junk. And I start to realize Man, I'm glad I named this place Mosaic because I am really broken. And so the brokenness is not celebrated, but it's held. And then I can let Jesus start to heal. Wisdom is so important when we are patient. Have you ever been behind someone or in front of someone who's impatient when they're driving? Most likely an Illinois license plate. And I kid you not. I kid you not. I will have people on 41. No, I don't go over the speed limit much. I will have people on 41. Look, if you don't go 80 miles an hour, someone's going to kill you. We all know that, right? I'm on 41, and you would, and I'm on the right lane. All you left laners, I know who you are. I'm in the right lane, and I'm going correct. I'm staying with traffic, and I will have people ram all the way back up so I can't even see their headlights to the back of me. Extremely too fast. So much so if I even tap my brakes, we're, we're going to get in a big accident. You can see them frustrated because there's a line of traffic. They come whipping around me to go to the one, the car lengths I have in front of me, whips around me to that person 
and that person. Anybody northbound going up north on the weekends know what I'm talking about, right? That person. And I'm like, why do you think your life is so much more important than mine? We're all headed north. Why do you have to do this? And my first gut reaction is to not use wisdom. My first gut reaction is, I wish I had one of those marquees where I could type in what I really feel about that person so I could display it for them to see it. It usually say, go back to Illinois and make sure you charge your iPass, is what I would say back to them, right? I felt so good to say that, so cleansing. It's not wise. Patience. Why are we so impatient? Impatience comes from the fact that we believe that what we want, desire, need is greater than the person around us. My needs outtrump yours. My feelings, my time, whatever it is, whatever that person's thinking when they come up here, and maybe there's a really bad driver, I don't know, but that they're not acting like that. They're acting like they're so impatient. And if you know any of the statistics about going over the speed limit, like if you go faster, like you can't add actual more time to your drive. It adds like seconds. So it's really just about my feelings and my what I'm feeling in that moment. So my patience when I'm patient, I can learn so much more actually about myself. Proverbs 10.8, the wise in heart accepts commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Accept the correction of others instead of talking about them and pushing your agenda forward. Let me say this again. Accept the leading correction of others. When someone corrects you or says, hey, I want to challenge you in something, especially in our work environments, someone pushes you a little bit, says, hey, I want to hey, we can grow in this. Listen and apply is wisdom. Reject and say, well, that person is just stupid. He doesn't know anything. I work so hard, blah, blah, blah. Maybe when we listen to people, we can find out there's a place for us to grow. And when we learn wisdom, now I listen to people and say, you know what? You have something I can learn from you. Pride says, I have nothing I can learn from you. And this is all generations, all ages. Just because I'm older than someone doesn't mean I know more than that person because I can still listen and learn. And just because I'm younger than someone doesn't mean that person doesn't know what I know. I can always listen and learn. Wisdom says learn and listen, but stop chattering. We chatter so much to protect our hearts because when someone says, hey, here's somewhere you could grow in your life, our first thing we feel is that we feel like I'm not good enough. We have low self-esteem. They don't like me. I'm broken. But the truth of the matter is someone may be actually loving you to help you grow. And so when we look at this, listen to the words that can come in. Wisdom says there's things I can apply to the commands that come. Proverbs 29, 11. That was Proverbs 10, 8. Proverbs 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Have you ever been around someone who just loses their cool and explodes? I mean, just kaboom. Usually these people pent, 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 all up inside, push down, push down, push down, and there's like this huge explosion. Or it could be the person who seems real cool that has like that trigger anger mark. It says here very clearly that fools give vent to their rage. We as believers have this ability with the Holy Spirit to be transformed into Christ's likeness. And Christ shows us what it looks like to not just vent all the time. We have an instant where Jesus shows righteous anger, and it wasn't a venting, it was a purposeful display of the mockery they were making of Jesus in the temple and how they're mocking God's worship system when he flips temple tables. It was wisdom, it was perfect. It wasn't this, rage. 
He was teaching in that moment at the same time of showing and, and defending God's honor. And for us, when we just blow up and just rant all the time, that's not wise. There are so many times, you can relate to me, I'm sure, when on my lips is an explosion of words I want to say that I swallow it back down my throat and a lump in my throat and I say something like, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Thank you for sharing. That's hard to hear. Explosion at me and I want to explode back and I just swallow it back down inside. And there are times when I absolutely explode. I do both. When I explode, it never leads to wisdom. Never. Every time I explode, I'm like, oh, Jason mad. And like the Hulk, I turn green and huge. I'm just like, now I'm going to destroy everyone. Jason smash. And I come in, bang, 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 explode, tell you what I think, blow up, blow up, blow up. And then guess what the aftermath is? Just like the Hulk that's throwing people through buildings, I now have to fix all the shattered relationships I just blew up. Because it's not wise. If I can engage wisdom, wisdom is going to put me in that beautiful moment of saying, you know what? It's not wise to say anything right now because I'm angry. Let's come back to this topic at a, at a time in which I can hear you better and we can hear each other. Wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Last one, James 1.19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is my personal, uh, the one that I have memorized personally in my life. Because I'm a verbal, I'm not quick to listen, I'm not slow to speak, and I typically do not become slow to become angry. But I want you to look at what this beautiful thing does when we put it together. If you are quick to listen, you're actually acknowledging the fact the person has something to share, and you can listen before you start talking. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Stop giving answers right away of your opinion. Remember, we already talked about this. But I'm processing and taking time to think through what is wise. Because instead of giving opinion, I can offer wisdom, and I can ask permission to offer wisdom. Hey, thank you for sharing. Um, what you shared was hard. I'm wondering if you, if I could just real quick just share something I'm feeling I'd like to share about what you shared. Wisdom looks very different than explosion. Quick to listen. We listen to what people have to say. We empathize and care about what people are sharing. It's a very different look. And James 1, 19 has to be on my lips all the time because I do the opposite. <clears throat> I tend to be slow to, slow to listen, quick to speak, and too fast to become angry. Now, my personality is fun, and I'm a golden retriever. I love everybody. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss. But the truth is, inside of me, this is a Holy Spirit transformed piece because that's not always who I've been. And it's still a little fire in my tummy that at times, like, oh, I can feel it starting to rise. But when I'm slow to speak, and I'm quick to listen, the fire doesn't usually raise because I'm looking for the intention of hearing you versus you hearing me. Everybody who's in a relationship of any kind right now, whether you're married or a parent or you have kids or you work with people or you have neighbors, this verse is amazing. It can build unbelievable relationships. So what does 2024 look for you? 2024, this is going to be another tension-filled year and what I'm calling our church to is we're going to move forward, we're going to grow, and we're going to have an amazing year of wisdom. Wisdom is going to come through us being challenged in the Word of God, and I'm challenging all of you as we kick off our new year that you are a student of the book yourself. 2024, I would like you to challenge yourself in this. You have your notes out. 
wherever you are on your faith journey as engaging wisdom, and the wisdom is the word of God, in your word of God life, are you even touching that book during the week? If not, would you touch it one time? If you don't do anything, would you do a devotional? If you don't pray, would you commit to one day, set an alarm on your phone to pray at X amount, at least one day a week? If you are in prayer and in the word, what does the next step look like for you? How do you gain more wisdom? And how do I engage the word more so that as I disciple others, I'm showing more people what the book says lived out versus what the book says in knowledge? I think that's probably our number one struggle as American Christians is we love and we worship people who can say all the right things. Lots of knowledge of the Bible. People who can quote all the verses. Nothing wrong with that. It's great. But what if we start to be people who apply it? I can quote it, but now I'm actually starting to do it. The word says I should be quick to listen, which means, Jason, stop talking. Listen. We start to do the wisdom of the words. In 2024, just imagine what one year from now, one year, you being transformed by the word of God and applying wisdom, one year from now, when we have this next talk about New Year's, what one year, how different you would be if you engage this challenge for our new year. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.